Welcome to Post Break. My name is Chris Peterson, Board Secretary of the Post New York Alliance. This is our biweekly discussion of all the factors that are continuing to affect how we work today. And today's topic is a really good one I'm excited for. Lessons learned during COVID about the production and post collaboration um, with a case study of the AMC series Nosferatu. And now to introduce our moderator, she's a VFX producer and post supervisor and PNYA member, Lauren Ritchie. Hello everybody. Thank you, Chris. And thank you so much PNYA for hosting these great talks. Um, I also wanna thank Daniel Cohen from Zoic and Lada Forsyth from, sorry, Forsman from uh, The Molecule who helped put this particular episode together. And um, I'm super excited about this as well. Um, we're gonna be looking at, as uh, Chris had said, we're gonna be looking at a show, Nosferatu, which is a fantastic AMC series, if you haven't seen it, there are two seasons of it. And um, as many of you, I'm sure, experienced yourself that um, this spring was very strange and we didn't really know if our shows would be going and many went on hiatus and some didn't come back. And some actually pushed through and did finish and Nosferatu is one of those. So we thought it would be interesting to get a perspective of how that all worked out and how that happened and what was had to be implemented to make that happen. And um, so we're looking at it from several points of view. Um, so we're gonna start, I think, by, um, I think the best way to do this will be, actually, let me introduce everybody and then we'll circle back and have try to have sort of a slightly informal conversation and people can take it out from what their points of view were in this process. So I'm first going to introduce uh, Shauna Fisher-Huber. She is the, one of the producers of Nosferatu. Uh, she's been a freelance producer for over 20 years for both film and television. She's worked on numerous shows uh, through Amazon, Netflix, HBO. Her most recent project uh, is called The Lie, and it's a Blumhouse Universal production that premiered on Amazon Prime uh, earlier this month. And this summer, she wrapped two seasons of Nosferatu, um, which is actually based on a novel uh, by uh, Joe Hill, who happens to be Stephen King's son. Uh, then we have Nate Overstrom. He is the creative director and VFX supervisor at Zoic Studios. Uh, he has been working for Zoic since 2014, and he uh, has been acting as the creative director there as well as visual effects supervisor. He has earned several VFX, VES, and Emmy nominations over the years, and he was the VFX supervisor for season two of Nosferatu. And last but not least, we have Carly Wilson, who is a VFX producer. She is freelance. She has worked both vendor side as well as production side. And she's been working in the industry for 10 years. And she was the production side VFX producer for season two on Nosferatu. And uh, I will then open this discussion up to ask Shauna, um, why don't you just tell us how Give us just sort of set the stage. Uh, I'm guessing it was sometime in March. Everybody's working their happy ways. The news is coming out saying, you know, cities are shutting down. We're not allowed to go out of our houses. 
tell us what happened from your point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Um, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was all very shocking. Luckily for us, Northern California, they were kind of a week ahead. So we kind of knew what was coming down the pipe. And we basically, when they announced the shutdown, we had about two, two days to scramble and figure out what we were going to do. And we kind of basically just fled our, our Hollywood offices, leaving, you know, coffee and crafty in the kitchen and um, our VFX editor. We're, we had been kind of finished with post at that point, um, but we had a VFX assistant editor still on with us through the rest of post and VFX. And so, um, you know, he kind of fled as well. Um, and, it, you know, it was only supposed to be for two weeks for us. Um, so I think it was all a, a bit shocking. And, um, you know, even when we were allowed to go back to the office in early June, I didn't even go back. You know, I just, somebody packed up the office and brought boxes. It was just, it was a really strange time. But I feel like the way we survived and indeed thrived during this time was we relied on extreme collaboration with our trusted post team. We had already been working with, um, you know, obviously our in-house team since the fall and with Zoic since, I don't know, at least January, um, maybe a little earlier, December. And we already started to kind of have this, um, process and system that we had created. Um, I, I remember at the beginning that I, I asked um, two really important things those, those first few days. I talked to Carly and I said, is Zoe gonna be able to keep working? And then I called my salespeople at Technicolor, Trent Vernon and Mark Kaplan. And I said, how are we gonna finish post? What's gonna happen? Um, and it wound up really being good news um, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but we were just all so relieved. We were like almost crying. Um, everything was feeling so heightened, of course, at that point. And so I called my wonderful studio executive at AMC, Leslie Jacobowitz, and I said, it's gonna be okay, we've been saved. Um, we'd be able to keep the show on track and deliver on, on time and for air, which was just in June. So, you know, we really had a short window uh, in front of us. So, I mean, that's pretty much what, what really happened. It was Did they uh, crazy. give you the option to not, can, I mean, did they say, can we, and, or were you, and you were like, you know, yes, we can, or was it like, you have no choice, make it happen? Um, I mean, Leslie, for anybody who knows her, certainly not, not that kind of executive and was um, really, um, us, you know, I was just reporting in, it's good, it's going to be okay. She wasn't, I don't think that worried. Um, but I think she wasn't, we were all in shock, you know, what was going to happen, what was going to be the fallout. And in the end, we wound up being one of the only shows that did deliver all their episodes and got on air um, for AMC. So I mean, we were really, really um, fortunate to have such amazing partners. To that, one of the amazing partners, um, Nate, tell us when you got the call from Carly, uh, you know, how are you going to make, how can you do this? Had you guys already set up how you were going to do it? Had you been, I, mean, I know as a visual effects person, I'm sure you were there in the forward thinking mode. Uh, tell us yeah. from your point of view. Um, so for us, 
uh, being on the East Coast, you know, we were, you know, I, I think we were uh, more heavily hit. Uh, we were about a week or two ahead of uh, where California was. And so um, even before we got the call about, you know, whether how this was going to affect our deliveries, we were already sort of um, uh, on a company basis trying to figure out what we were going to do for the New York office. Um, because uh, there were a lot of talks about New York shutting down pretty quickly and earlier than uh, what was going to be happening in, in, in Los Angeles. So um, we already had uh, kind of a plan in place um, coming from uh, the owners in LA. Um, so when you know Carly was asking about you know, how we were going to be able to um, deliver the show, um, we were we were pretty much ready to go. Um, our office has always was already built with uh, uh, PCO uh, PCOIP uh, boxes, so um, we were already working if effectively remotely um, just within the office. Um, while our while all of our uh, computer equipment and servers and everything are in. Uh, uh, New York, um, it made the process of getting everybody home and safe a lot easier because essentially all we had to do was um, make some adjustments to the server equipment. Everybody packs up uh, uh, their the little head that they have sitting on their desk, connect that uh, connect that up to some monitors and keyboards um, at home, and we were able to just to log right in. Um, we didn't have to worry about transferring any new uh, material around because it was we were just connecting to our workstations uh, right there in the city um, and because we didn't have to transfer anything we didn't have to worry about additional security because um, the we you know nothing ever no information ever went anywhere else so um, just how we were set up uh, translated very well and very quickly to remote workflow um, and then the rest of it was, I would say, a, a long process of figuring out everybody at home's unique uh, networking issues and telling people that they now needed to bump up all their bandwidth and buy new networking equipment and, and uh, all that. So um, did that not slow you down at all, the having to beef up the networks and all that um it, it was definitely a little bit of a learning process for the first couple of weeks um but uh the show was structured really well schedule wise um because of of uh how we were approaching we, we weren't chasing after air dates the way that a typical network show does where you have to constantly turn things around every two weeks um, we had a whole season long schedule to hit and, um, and Carly and, and Shauna were very uh, generous with um, their time and uh, being able to allocate, you know, a little bit more time here and there to the schedule when, uh, you know, certain shots and scenes needed it. So um, it worked out really, really well. Awesome. Um, Carly. Tell me, how, were, how did you do reviews uh, with both the vendor as well as with the creatives? 
Well, we had already been using VLC, which was good um, to do reviews when Jamie, our showrunner, was on set. Um, so we had already had that pipeline set up and we just utilized that in order to do um, our editorial reviews so that we could watch everything in context. And we invited Zoic to join those reviews with us um, just so that we weren't you know, having another meeting to review notes afterwards, they were going to be able to hear it firsthand because it felt like we needed to really um, sort of like cut out any delay in notes getting to them. And also so that there was no confusion on notes, um, it, just because it felt like it was an important <laughs> time to get everything clearly uh, over to them. Uh, so we used VLC for most of it. And then if we needed to review anything at a little bit higher res uh, without being in context, then we would review in CineSync. Uh, but VLC was the, the main tool for us. So for people that don't know the um, some of the nomenclature, what would be the difference between VLC and CineSync? And what would be your reasons for using either? Uh, VLC is a stream from, it happened to be from our VFX AE's uh, computer. So he AE would- the VFX editor. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, from, from his box then, so whatever he was playing in Avid, we could stream out. Um, it's lower res, so it's 720p. Um, and as many people can join it, there's no licenses. You just mount the server in VLC and, and you're good to go. Uh, he needed a box set up. Um, not totally sure on that since the, the post supervisor handled that part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, once, once that was going, uh, we all had the, the IP address and we would just log in as it went. Um, and then uh, obviously CineSync, you know, is the standalone tool of which we had to buy licenses for. Uh, uh, and, you know, we, we just didn't do as many reviews with that. And Shauna, is from your standpoint, how, um, since we don't really, how, how did you work with the DI and communicate and getting shots to the DI and the back and forth with that? And, and who were you using? Yeah. Um, and I was just going to add uh, one other thing for the process in terms of, um, the new thing of reviewing shots with a vendor, you know, with Zoic, which I, you know, I don't think is, is as common. Um, we had also been using, doing kind of group spotting sessions as well. So we had really been in a really larger uh, group collaboration from the get-go. And part of that is just because it was a really um, tough creative uh, venture, what we were doing, you know, bringing the pages of this novel to life. And, you know, we didn't always know what we wanted to see. And it was just always kind of a real um, tough, creative conversation. And so that was, I thought, a really great, a great part. Um, so when you say group yeah. spotting sessions, who would yeah. that group be? Like that would be so, different from a normal situation. So I feel like normally it would just be our little inner circle um, with the editor before the editors, you know, left. Um, so it would be our little post team, it would be our in-house VFX team, um, you know, editorial. And um, so we would invite, you know, Nate and Michael. And I mean, I don't know, there were a lot of people on those calls, maybe Nate. Um, um, yeah, we had a so couple just, of people from Zoic too. Yeah, and we've had, um, you know, even some Zoic LA over once. Um, you know, we had a lot of attention from from the vendor, they were very uh, attentive to our show and um, really, um, you know, knew 
knew what we were up against, but just so excited by the process and you know what they were creating. So, which was lovely. Um, in terms of the DI, <laughs> um, okay, <Thank> so, <laughs> so are you saying what was the new so, process or? Yeah, so how were you, did you work like differently yeah. than you normally would have? I mean, everything, everything was different um, because we are so used to being in person in sessions and going Your in house. Your vendor was in New York too. No, no. So everything was out in LA. So um, we were a Technicolor uh, in Hollywood uh, for picture and sound. And um, so all of a sudden, you know, we, everybody was kind of trapped at home basically um, and couldn't even go to sessions if we wanted. Um, you know, Sunset Gower virtually shut down, Paramount shut down. Um, you couldn't even go in on, onto the lot. So um, uh, the, the amazing thing as, you know, Zoic was kind of um, already set up in a sense for their remotes. Um, Technical was rolling out this beta version of something called TechStream, which wound up being their, you know, kind of streaming online platform, which was great because it allowed us to kind of keep going. Um, but it was, it was a little tough because we were still in the low res world. Um, we, nobody had iPad Pros. We didn't know we wanted to spend thousands of dollars to buy them everybody, for everybody, although we probably would do it now, certainly if we were coming back um, this fall. And um, so we were um, viewing on, you know, little iPhone screens and really counting on um, our operators and our online editor and our color timer to, you know, catch things that we couldn't see. Now, that was also interesting because they were also set up at their homes with, you know, limited amount of equipment, kind of what we had done with our um, assistant editor, VFX assistant editor. So my color timer was at home with the Resolve in his, you know, in his little home office. Um, and that, it took weeks to build out for him, um, which did delay us like I think on one episode a tiny bit. Um, and your color timer was the same one from the very beginning. So had looks been set and so forth prior to COVID? Certainly, yes. And we had yeah. been posting already for a month or two but you know uh often a second season show you know your second season might look a little different maybe you kind of change things up a bit um I, we did have the same dp but we weren't necessarily chasing after the exact same look or rather maybe the dp wasn't um so i think it was a bit of a um it was, it, it made it tough. It wasn't like this was super easy. Um, it was definitely a process that we um, had to kind of go through and then embr uh, eventually embrace. Yeah. And what visual effects, and either Carly or Nathan can answer this, like how did visual effects get to DI and how did that back and forth happen? Luckily, there was no change to our process uh, for how we were getting stuff to DI because we had every um, every vendor was automatically delivering final DPXs to Technicolor uh, directly to their Aspera. Um, so that was good. It didn't it didn't change our workflow at all. Um, yeah. So for that for that side, it was it was pretty easy because it already was set up. 
And was there any other sort of differences in the way you dealt with the DI from your standpoint, Nate? Um, no, not really. It was all, it was all pretty much seamless. Um, you know, we'd get our notes, uh, from the final QC and we'd check them out and, and confer them with, with Carly and, and, uh, make our adjustments and re-deliver. Um, yeah, we didn't really have any, any, uh, anything new, uh, come across from that. Um, you know, we had a machine that was, that's kind of our transfer machine and we would just remote into that. Uh, just like you remote into your regular workstation to to set up the transfers uh, for our deliverables, and that was about it. Right. Well, I guess being in New York already, you know, and having that set up to LA, or I mean, even if this hadn't happened, right. it was already the same. I would say there was some um, funny kind of um, runs I know that had to happen from our color timer's house in a in Agura Hills out to Hollywood running files around and, and sometimes he'd finish a session and like just get in the car and drive his file down to uh, Technicolor. So, um, that's so old school. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you never complain. He's just up. Oh, but I got to get in the car and I got to drive by this time. So make sure it's there for you guys. Um, so everybody was kind of doing kind of above and beyond extraordinary measures really. And bet that once everything shut down, it was faster. <laughs> oh, totally. It only took them a half hour to get into town, which would normally be probably an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. true. That's a yeah. one plus. Uh, so Shauna, did you also, you, you were also in uh, charge of handling all the fan finishing, including sound and music and all of that. Um, is there anything you want to tell us about that process in terms of the remote work? Um, you know, sound was uh, also interesting. Um, the Technicolor was kind of setting up people at in their uh, mixers in their garages, um, in kind of off the beaten path and out of the city. Um, hidden little um, recording studios, um, which is where our mixers wound up, um, kind of on the hush-hush, so I don't want to talk about it too much, um, but they were like kind of mixing in this, um, you know, secret location, um, just three of them, really, and um, we would use, um, you know, now they're using VLC, which Carly was just talking about, for their mixes. At that point, they didn't have anything set up, so we, we were just doing similar to what we were doing with color. We would be getting files, doing notes, just old, the old fashioned kind of thing. Um, and we would sit on a, on a Zoom call and sit on the dub stage um, and kind of try and hear what, when you couldn't hear a thing. But at least if the mixers had questions for us, they could turn around and say, Shauna, what was this supposed to be? Or uh, Michael, our music editor, what's, you know, is there something here? And we would all be sitting on the Zooms all day. Um, so that was crazy. Um, sometimes we would, and we would also sit in trying to hear the notes, which was also just really tough. Um, sound is not great over Zoom, obviously, sound and picture. Um, so we would have them just kind of create sound and audio files and we did the same with color. We, they'd send us stills and we'd all be kind of um, listening and looking real time. Um, 
getting, you know, downloading these things as we go, like, okay, that sounds okay to us, or that, you know, uh, color, we, you know, made that scene look a little bit better or to our liking. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind did, of uh, amazing. Did you have to hire any additional IT people to just sort of monitor any ups and downs with like what happens when your internet goes down in the middle of all this or any of that? Was that that's a great question. Um, we were all pretty good um, in the spring and early summer. I think our connectivity was still pretty good then. Um, although I think it's not great this fall in my house. Um, it definitely feels not as good. And we have the same amount of people that are online all, all day and we've got online schooling going on here. Um, so uh, I don't know, maybe it was just something about the, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Carly? Yeah, no, uh, as far as the any sort of like IT work that had to be done, Technicolor helped get anything set up when we moved our server back to the Technicolor offices. Um, they helped with that. Um, but outside of that, we didn't need any extra help. And um, as far as ADR goes, how did you deal with that? Oh, ADR is um, it's still really difficult um, just talking to people who are working now. Um, we were very lucky. We were almost finished with shooting all of our ADR, but did get stuck with um, still having to do group for a few shows. And for a few principals, um, we could just couldn't get them in. Like we were jamming to get people in those last, that last week, certainly. Um, and you know, some people were just nervous to come in, even though nothing was locked down yet. Um, in some instances, we would, um, we kind of created a mic kit, um, purchased a mic, um, made sure it was um, acceptable through our um, sound supervisor, Lauren, and she, and she kind of um, typed up this, this little kind of Bible of directions of what to do when you get your mic in FedEx <laughs> and how do you plug it in to your phone basically and kind of um, you know how do you make files after that to send out um, I mean we had two of our leading actresses um, who are young but probably pretty good technically I think the younger generation is really good um, were able to you know send files back and forth so um, I think um, you know, we just, we just made it work. In terms of group, um, these days I know a lot of groups are kind of still getting together in maybe a larger space or separate rooms. I mean, I hear all sorts of stories. Back then, um, we had everybody, we basically got on one big Zoom together and then um, talked about the cues. Of course, this is a group that um, I've worked with for years. I know all these actors really well. And so just really to see if they had any questions, but we I mean, had a couple really big shows, which is one of the last episodes, which was um, spoiler alert, a bunch of little demons running around um, Christmas land. And um, that was all group. So we really had to kind of talk about that and what we wanted to hear, what we didn't want to hear. Um, we didn't want it to sound like little kids and not too kind of goofy. Um, so we have, would have a creative conversation and then everybody would go separately and record. Um, and a lot of um, our group actors had little kind of recording studios already set up. 
And uh, then they would just send in files and it gave our poor sound supervisor a lot of extra work because she was cutting together all the files and they weren't all kind of pro tools ready. Um, something else the Technicolor is doing is they're running sessions um, from people's homes in through um, an ADR recordist booth, basically, and then they create Pro Tools to then send out. So that was really cool. And that actually was, an, um, was available to us even back then. And we were just so close to the end. <laughs> we're like, we're just going to finish. <laughs> we, we could get through. We could do it. Um, and pretty much everything, it really did work out. I don't feel that we really had to compromise much. So that was great. And did this, was the studio sort of more of a presence because of the unusual nature of this finishing or? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great, great question. Um, and unfortunately, creatively, and I do hear this um, from other people, um, we just, uh, the studio really stepped out creatively. I mean, the, the, the show had been, the shows had all been locked, um, but in terms of our sound and picture, um, it was, we were pretty much doing it on our own because it was just too impossible to, um, it was already taking so much extra time. We just didn't have that time for other people to weigh in. And I think it was the end of the second season show and they knew the product that they were getting um, and trusted that and were happy with it. Um, but they did still see and had an opportunity to see our VFX um, so that they could weigh in um, because again, especially our last two shows were huge VFX. Um, and I don't know if that's something that we mentioned, but like, yeah, our last two shows were basically the whole, you know, three times as heavy as the whole season. Um, so they did weigh in on that. Um, but I think everybody was for the most part really happy. Fantastic. Um, Nate, do you have anything to you want to add or uh, regarding the sort of last episodes and any challenges you had in those internally? Um, I think the the biggest challenge for for us was uh, just you know navigating uh, organization through through everything. You know, you're used to um, having everybody together, pointing you know everybody's pointing at the same thing and making comments on on uh, uh, on the work. Um, and there's a lot of floor collaboration between artists and a lot of looking over shoulders. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, has probably been the biggest challenge for uh, working from home. Um, you know, we had some uh, internal uh, chat programs that we used uh, at the very beginning um, and, uh, we had our own uh, review uh, process through RV, which allowed multiple people to connect to the same session. Um, and so we could all draw, it worked very much like CineSync does, but it uh, was uh, uh, works off of frame sequences instead of uh, quick times. And so we could view um, at least HD material uh, pretty seamlessly. Um, and then a uh, little ways into uh, working from home, we, uh, worked in uh, Microsoft Teams to help uh, organize all, all, all everybody together, so we could all at least you know see each other, um, which I think uh, and do a lot of like a, a video um, video chats and and, and uh, uh, meetings, which I think really helped um, bring the team together and um, 
move everything through. Um, you know, I, they were very, very big episodes. Um, but I think to our credit, we had already had such a, a, a seamless process getting home uh, that it didn't seem too, it didn't seem like an extra burden to finishing out the show. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to me as I hear everyone speaking that there's a lot of these technical processes that were already sort of in the midst of being put into play. And I, I'm guessing that's because there's always been this idea that we should be able to, with the current, you know, technological advances, we should be all be able to work from home if we want to. And um, I think for me, it's always been the biggest hurdle is not that you can't do it, you can do it, but how hard, what do you gain from just standing around the water cooler? And what do you gain from just meeting someone in the hall and chatting with them? I'd be interested to know, and this can sort of go to anyone who has a thought about this, if they feel that there are any of these processes that they would continue through when this ends, <laughs> if it ends, it will end, um, what they would still work with and what they actually think is better as an in-person way of working. For us, you know, there's, there's just something to be said about gathering a bunch of heads together in a room and hashing out ideas. Um, I always work better on my feet and I haven't sat so much in the last few months is I've probably sat more in the last few months than I have for years. Um, uh, and, you know, being able to walk up and down, you know, the, 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 you know, behind your artists and, and talk to them about, uh, issues they're having, or, um, you know, uh, we do a lot of, of uh, pre-planning. They're like, oh, hey, you know, here's, here's a thing that's coming up. Let's start thinking about, um, you know, let's start thinking about, you know, how we're going to approach this. And um, just, just the proximity to people seems to really, uh, uh, just, you know, the proximity to people just seems to really, um, help the, the the problem solving aspect and you just come up with ideas just just based off of normal communication um, and that's something that the video and voice chat stuff helps with a lot more so than you know the you know the chat rooms and 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 uh you know jabbers and and you know different messaging it's like there's just more spontaneous you know spontaneous um idea making um which is that you know the thing that we like the most um so i think that uh you know moving forward you know a healthy you know visual effects tends to probably be and and i think probably post and in, in this, this industry in general is, is tends to um be a little imbalanced in terms of work-life balance um so this has all been a really great case in showing that, yeah, we can do this. Um, so, you know, let's try to um, make, you know, strive to, to have a healthier work-life balance as long as we can all, you know, get the work done and deliver everything on time. I, um, I feel, um, I agree. And I think that that's a wonderful kind of thing that's come out of that. If there's any kind of, you know, 
um, positive <laughs> spin on it. Um, but I do feel the creative process is really limited by not being together. And just um, think about what um, showrunners are talking about from writers' rooms right now, that it's just really hard to not be together. And I think creatively to not, um, if you don't know the direction, the taste level of everybody, um, the um, likes, dislikes, there's so much kind of creatively to learn from each other. And certainly that my position has to learn from a showrunner or at various EPs as well, because often there's you know several of them besides a showrunner. Um, and the only way to do that, I feel like, is in person, is together, or being with them even for months of shooting, and then you go into post, and you're like, okay, I, I understand what we're going for. And I think that is, could really be lost. And, you know, I kind of worry about that on my next show, how's that going to all be? Um, and uh, I think we were just lucky for us that this was a second season show. We knew what we were doing. We knew each other all so well. I mean, Carly and her team were new, but, you know, we just instantly loved all of them. And we, we knew that, um, you know, we were all kind of on the same page and it was just an easy working relationship. So we, um, I just, yeah, I don't know how you, I don't know how you uh, create that other than really being together in the same kind of space and environment. Yeah, and then I would say even like from the VFX point of view, like you always have that habit of just running down to your VFX editor and, and seeing, you know, drop something in real quick, check this, right. is this work, does this play okay? Um, and not having that ability. And so, you know, trying to be like, hey, you know, text them on or on, you know, Google chat somehow, get a hold of them, be like, can you drop this in? Can you check it? Okay, now how do we check it? Do I have to jump on VLC? Um, and really, I guess it's just figuring out like what was the fastest and best process to still be able to have that collaborative uh, sort of time with the VFX AE and talk about a shot. Um, and then also make sure that, you know, there wasn't anything being missed, you know, without talking in person where you could in a room just sit on a couch and talk about it for 30 minutes. Um, yeah. So that, that was definitely a learning experience. Is there anything though that you would do that you, you know, any of these things that you had to do that you would continue to do that because it works so well and it's different than you normally had done, Carly? I mean, I, I think at least for our situation, having Zoic as our main vendor, having them a part of so many of our calls um, really helped a lot in the process. Um, you know, Jamie, our showrunner was able to talk to Nate directly about why something needed to be this way or or how it could be different. And, and just having that direct feedback, I felt like went a long way for our VFX where under normal circumstances that probably wouldn't have happened um, because it's just not how it goes. And so I feel like that was probably the biggest um, benefit of, of all working from home. Well, it sounds like, especially on this in this situation, you had an amazing amount of cooperation and collaboration and maybe it was helpful that you guys had already been through it or had started together but I think it's really amazing how you guys were able to work so well together and freely and openly because I know sometimes different departments can clash and that's, that's fantastic. Yeah um, and I would say that definitely goes to credit to uh, 
uh, Michael Miller from uh, Zoic, the VFX producer there, he was so uh, open and honest with us that we really felt that we had a true idea of what was going on at Zoic. Like we weren't sort of like concerned are they going to deliver this one on time or, you know, is there going to be a delay? If there was any bit of an issue, he was always letting us know right away. And so we felt totally comfortable with, with where everything was at. And um, I guess we're going to open this up to questions very soon, but I just wanted to see, does anyone want to add anything else? Any of our panelists? Um, I mean, I just want to say how, um, you know, fortunate we were and um, we just, you know, Carly, her team, Nate and his team, they're just total rock stars on our show. And, you know, we're just so, so grateful for how it all went. So thank you guys. Cool. And, um, yeah. and I guess from us, uh, I would say that, you know, same, same thing back, like, um, you know, it, it was, just a really great time working on the show, um, aside from having a lot of cool effects and environments and things to work on. Um, so, you know, we loved doing the work, but it was also just a, you know, a, a building of a great relationship over the course of the season. So, you know, when all this stuff hit, it just, you know, felt like we were all in it together as opposed to, um, you know, extra demands or, or uh, extra circumstances, you know, creating a lot of stress. So like really felt like, um, you know, we just all really kind of knit together to, to help, you know, produce this really fun show. All right. Um, well, before we kick it to questions, I just wanted to add one last thing that I just, I think that this group, and when I say that, I mean, everybody on here, the post community, um, one of the things that production people and the creative people have that they're so talented with is thinking on their feet and sort of bobbing and swaying with circumstances. And we do it in our jobs every day. And this is a perfect example of rising to the occasion in what seemed like an impossible situation. And it was done with grace and success. And I commend you all. <laughs> And every, even people who are not on your show that have done the same. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. So Chris. Yes. Can I hit us with the questions? Sure. I have a lot of good ones here. Um, first, just to clarify, had you completely finished shooting when, when the COVID shutdown began? Yes, we had finished shooting and we had finished editing. Um, so we were really just posting and doing VFX. And we had delivered uh, two VFX episodes then. So that's nothing out of 10. We had a long way to go. Great, thank you. Um, so with the additional VFX work in the later episodes, are you doing any work, any of that work with actual virtual workstations in the cloud, like in AWS or in Azure? Or are you just using render nodes in the cloud? Um, and, and if yes to either of those, how easy or difficult was, was that functionality? Um, so uh, we had all of our own machines uh, in New York, um, along with a, a smaller render farm um, that we've used for, for New York-based work. Um, our CG has always been rendered out of LA. Um, one of the things that we did when we set up the office uh, years ago was um, to sort of 
keep the collaboration, even technical collaboration between the offices um, uh, more or keep them more connected. Um, so that way it's not like, you know, New York is its, Zoic New York is its own thing, Zoic LA is its own thing, and Zoic uh, Vancouver is its own thing. We're all very uh, connected one, with one another and now more than ever. Um, so, you know, uh, LA has a sizable render farm. And so we would do um, all of our CG rendering in LA, transfer our, our Maya files and dependencies over to there. There was a render and, and send the frames back to us. Um, we have a render farm in New York. Um, so all of our comp, uh, all of our comp renders would go through that render farm. Um, and uh, we have some cloud capability um, yeah, that would mostly uh, utilized with uh, CG. Um, and I forget if it's Amazon or if it's Google, but it was something that was already uh, set up before COVID hit. Um, so there wasn't any additional works uh, set up specifically for that. Um, we touched a little bit on communication, on, on not being in person with one another around the water cooler or crouching over a monitor together. So, so I have a question here. When working with post houses in LA, New York, or, or in other states, has the communication process changed at all since COVID started due to other factors like time zones or added isolation? And, and if you could also add in, were you just disciplined to just using Microsoft Teams? And if you're gonna communicate, it's gonna be Teams or were you also grabbing for your cell phone on texts and then answering in an email and it was just a mishmash of all these different channels or? Um, that, I mean, that's a, it's a great question. And I think, you know, I know a lot of people like Slack and, and there's all sorts of really cool platforms. Um, it was just such early days and I think everybody's head was just exploding. So for the most part, we were just, um, calling, texting, um, you know, kind of the usual thing. I mean, at, at a certain point in post, the post team is generally out and about. I mean, we're hardly in the office in a normal world. Um, you know, we're at sessions, we're doing this, we're doing that. Um, so in a way, there is a little bit of remote and kind of that, um, not in the office communication, but um, I would say the one thing about working in the pandemic and I think it continues and I hear everybody saying this not just our industry that it's like 24 7 you are always on call you're working much harder in some ways than you were before because you know feasibly everybody's stuck at home so your bosses know you're at home they reach out to you um, the day doesn't just end at you know six seven eight eight p.m I mean it just keeps on going so um, I think it was um, exhausting a bit uh, in terms of trying to communicate with everybody um, and hard a little harder than usual. Great. And with a lot of shooting starting back up, we're seeing that there are all kinds of additional costs to, to achieve COVID safety. Um, but what are the additional unforeseen previously unforeseen costs that we're now starting to see for post, for COVID safety as, as it applies to post? I mean, I know a little bit, 
of what's going on in terms of like, you know, setting up editors on Avids at home and um, everybody's getting more kit rentals now. Um, there's a lot more money coming directly to um, the employees. Um, you know, increase your connectivity at home, better Wi-Fi. Um, I think that there's a lot of additional costs. Um, that's just one example that I've heard of, um, but I'm sure there's more. I mean, we talked about, we would have, you know, probably should have bought iPad Pros so that we would have been able to see our color a little bit better um, real time uh, in a higher resolution. Um, you know, those are a thousand dollars each. Um, and I, I'm sure that there's a lot, a lot more um, costs um, that are coming our way. Um, we were charged for the tech stream like extra um, at Technicolor. So there is that. Um, I don't think it was a huge extra charge. Maybe it was, I don't know, $40 an hour or something, um, just as a, like a little charge running along in your session. Um, for us at the time, it, it felt kind of, um, you know, not as not too big of a deal. If you'd have a an hour or two session at a time, um, it was kind of a nominal charge. But those little things do add up if you're hosting your entire show. I would think that could add up. Yeah, and like we had to up our sentencing licenses right, to accommodate right, right. more people being on them. So that was an additional cost. Um, our VFX coordinator needed a printer at home right. specifically for work and, and paper and you know it's sort of those like yeah. extra little office supplies you're not thinking about having everyone at home have yeah. um you know it, it hits the budget a little bit <laughs> sure sure um but uh, overall I don't think these are huge costs and that they certainly weren't um you know like our session costs those would be the big costs in post, I don't feel like our session costs, you know, went up much more. They probably should have gone down, really, if everybody's, you know, not in a big fancy building. Um, but anyways, that's uh... And just to play a little Monday morning quarterback, looking mm -hmm. back, it, what tips, looking back from now, what we know now, what tips would you give yourselves back in March? Go ahead, That's a Carly. good question. It's going to be a lot longer than two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I guess it was sort of just the motto of like, it's all going to get done. <laughs> it, it's, it will get figured out. It seems really scary and daunting and uh, overwhelming, but uh, it's a lot of people all working on the same problem together and we'll get through it. <laughs> It's not really a tip, but um, yeah, I don't, Shauna, do you have any tips? <laughs> no, I don't really. I mean, if it just, you know, I, um, you know, just always have a positive attitude and, you know, like Lauren was saying, we um, were all about flexibility and versatility. And this is the one time that it really kind of, you know, proved <laughs> you had to really put it to work. Um, so I think um, we are very capable, all of us and, um, uh, you know, you, you just kind of figure it out and you wing it as you go. And then there's a lot of people all trying to kind of solve the same problem. Some people who are, you know, very technical, some people who are less. And um, I think that there's, you know, a lot of people all working to the same end right now. So. Great. And this one might be a little more for Nathan. 
Have there been any challenges with software licenses while working remotely or were you able to just transfer the licenses or? Well, um, because we didn't, uh, be, uh, because everybody's working off of their workstations, it was all very much uh, the, the, the same setup as, as uh, being in the office. So um, we didn't have to worry about um, setting up licenses on you know, transferring licenses onto people's home machines and having to worry about um, how everybody's going to get material to and from their their home setups because um, you know they're all working off of their Zoic workstations um, and so there was you know nothing for that really I think the biggest issue for us was making sure that everybody had and you know enough bandwidth um and had places to work at home because you know we're all of our artists live in live in and around new york and so that's not you know they don't have not too many people had you know an extra bedroom to go you know sit in for for a few months um you had people working on their on their tables or other people just have laptops and they didn't have monitors or you know keyboards and mice and things and so um you know, we made sure that everybody was set up with everything that they needed in order to have uh, uh, their own, uh, you know, uh, equipment so they could log in and, and get done everything that they needed to do. Yeah, and I was going to say for our VFX AE, you know, initially he was just kind of working remote via team viewers. In other words, we left everything at the office and he had to go to his apartment to, to kind of you know remote in but eventually in a few weeks of being kind of in the lockdown we eventually set him up with kind of a little mini system and then even like a month later made it like a real system in his house so we kind of took these steps to get him really set up likewise with our unity we had um you know we had it first in our office and then when we decided to close up our office you know, we moved it, um, everything was moved over to Technicolor. We were Technicolor Avids as well, uh, which is in Burbank. And so they wound up kind of really having a hub for all of their shows that were still trying to work, um, which felt much safer to all of us and it was better security. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a process to get everybody set up, make sure they're comfortable. I mean, poor Matt, our VFX AE, you know, he's like, oh, I just don't have much space. I can't have the big monitor anymore. And, um, you know, he's working in his living room in his apartment in Hollywood. So it's a challenge, I think. Sure, and we've identified a number of different tools here, um, but was there a game changer technology that revolutionized your remote post workflow? I guess, I mean, I would say that VLC was the most uh, used. I wouldn't say it's the most revolutionary and it's definitely not the highest res to be reviewing VFX work, but it, it saved the day for us as far as we could keep continuing doing reviews and we could do them in context, uh, which was really important to how we were reviewing the VFX. Right, and sometimes we'd even switch to CineSync yeah. within a session, a review session, and then go back and forth. Because yeah. again, with VLC, you could see the whole show in context, but just not a great visual of it. Um, and CineSync, you could see, you know, you can see beautiful detail and then like, you know, 
right on the frame. Well, there's this little thing here. What's that in the corner? And um, so sometimes we've just, you know, let's throw up the VLC. Let's, let's switch the, you know, we were just kind of all working on the fly. And again, um, we also had a, just a fantastic showrunner, Jamie O'Brien, who was, you know, up for anything um, and also very flexible and easygoing. So we were very, very lucky. I would like to add uh, it what we had already had the tool uh, before uh, lockdown, but we were using uh, Studio Monkey oh. as part of our ingestion workflow for submission packages coming in from uh, VFX vendors and having that already set up and running made everything so much easier, especially doing it remote. Um, it's literally as easy as you launch it, click a button on the submission sheet and it um, loaded everything into our shotgun and transferred it over. So having that already going uh, was really huge for us. Yeah, and we also used Pulse. Again, um, this is a Technicolor software, but it kind of does automatic polls um, for you based on your EDL. And um, it's also a way that they do their um, onlines now. Um, and it's, uh, so that is an extra cost, but that's also saves a lot of time and error when you're pulling in the effect shots. Um, so we had a lot of little um, fancy things we were utilizing along the way. <laughs> yeah, for us, uh, I would say uh, Microsoft Teams was uh, super helpful to help consolidate, you know, all the different ways that our, you know, we were uh, communicating with one another. Um, you know, as opposed to using Zoom for, for video chat and then either Jabber or, uh, or Discord or other things for audio chat for um, audio chat rooms and other things like uh, it just helped pull everything together and, and be able to give you a uh, reference point for being able to upload files to share with one another and being able to scroll back through um, chat logs uh, and be able to see, you know, a history of your discussions and, and things so that information didn't get lost. Um, like some of the other methods that we were using to communicate um, earlier on was uh, uh, kind of, that, that that's part of it is, you know, you text people or you chat with people and all of a sudden you forget where, you know, somebody had put a note or a suggestion or something. So you just you know, pulling your hair out trying to you know refine the the thing amongst, amongst like seven different programs so it was just great to have one place to go look um and just a couple more I, I know we touched on sound but how is sound and mix handled if you couldn't go on to the lot how how are you reviewing and and, and what was that workflow um, so like I, I said before, it's basically doing the old fashioned way of um, getting files and reviewing in advance. Um, and so we would, we would separate our mixed days from our playback day. Um, and sometimes we only had in between. So, you know, often I was up to one or two in the morning watching, listening, rewatching and doing notes. Um, to come to the back to the dub stage the next day. So we had files, um, then we would go on to the dub stage in a Zoom. Uh, again, not being able to hear much professionally, um, but you could at least communicate a little bit directly seeing your mixers. Um, we'd send in our notes, we'd our, discuss our notes, 
uh, well, Jamie and I would actually kind of get our notes together and say kind of yes, no, yes, no. And then we would rewrite our notes um, and send those to the mixer. So, uh, I mean, that was the real process um, that, you know, we would never normally do when we're sitting on the stage on the fly um, where everybody's just kind of calling out notes. Um, so then we would be in the, on the stage, we'd be in the playback day, um, they'd have our notes and we'd kind of attempt to listen to what they were doing. And if there was something that was really um, important to us, we would ask them to send us some audio files, which they'd kind of do on the fly. We'd have to try and download them quickly, listen, talk to each other, <laughs> text with each other, then get back to the, to the mixers. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was challenging. Um, the other thing we did with our, our last big shows, um, as they were our last two shows, which were big, the effects were also big, huge sound shows. So we wound up giving an extra mix days a day for those. So we would actually review several times. So we had a couple passes to do sound. So if something was still, you know, you'd given a note on your first pass and something was still bothering you or it was still there was something new in the fix, we could give another round of notes. And I think this made um, Jamie feel a lot better about the process because, um, you know, you don't want to give up anything creatively. Um, and there's just so much on the line in those mixes. Um, so for us, that was really the money and um, our studio was really um, supportive of that. And this is our last question, but first I would just like to do a promo for the next post break. It'll be November 12th and it will be VFX production for post supervisors. And our last question is, um, do you think you would have been able to finish the show as, as seamlessly as you did had it been season one? It sounds like the technology you had to adapt with was challenging at times but mostly the kind of the existing setup allowed your team to, to adapt pretty well. Um, I mean, that's a great question. And, um, you know, we swept our whole teams from first season. Um, so I would say, no, we would not have been able to, to do this. This is all about the people, um, the quality of the people, the quality of their work, um, the relationships that we all had um, it just, we didn't have that same thing season one. Um, so I think we would have been in really big trouble. Um, just really, really lucky. Um, and I, I don't say this lightly, um, with, you know, Carly and her team and, and Nate and, and Michael and, and their team. And, um, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, uh, it wouldn't have been the same, unfortunately.